The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries, and we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs, broadcasting from beautiful Los Angeles where it's about 90 degrees. You know, our studios are in Phoenix where it's like 110 every day. (laughs) I feel sorry for those poor buggers. I tell them every week. Jeez. On this program, we love entrepreneurs. We're nuts about people who are creative and who make something out of nothing. This show is all about being an entrepreneur and having enough guts to break out of the routine, put it all on the line, and do something that you really enjoy doing. Before I talk about being an entrepreneur, I wanted to share with you a fabulous quote that I saw this morning, and then we tweeted out with a good response. This quote certainly applies to all entrepreneurs. Don't hire skilled people and motivate them. Hire motivated people and inspire them. I love that quote. I think it's terrific. To be an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to throw caution to the wind. You've got to forget about having your weekly security and knowing that you're going to be able to pay the rent. Um, You've got to follow your beliefs. Often through a very tough terrain and then after overcoming a never-ending string of obstacles, turn into a super businessman or a super businesswoman, raise funds, be proficient in 20 different business disciplines, employ people, and if you happen to be one of the lucky one in 20, you'll probably make some money. Of course, to undertake this path, you have to not fear failure. So you have to be prepared to fail. And a recent study by Global Entrepreneurship Monitor shows how much entrepreneurs in different countries fear failure. Of course, the higher the fear of failure, the less entrepreneurs, the less business growth, the less employment, and probably a pretty lousy economy. Fail fast, fail cheap, and learn from your experiences is a catch cry that you hear frequently across startup land. Don't be afraid to fail. Celebrate it. Now, being willing to take risks is part of the entrepreneurial spirit. And the fear of failure, it fluctuates depending on where the hell you are in the world. 
Now, the fear of failure can be a strong inhibitor for seizing opportunities and transferring, transforming entrepreneurial intentions into entrepreneurial activity. You know, entrepreneurs seize opportunities that pop up out of nowhere. They see an opportunity, they seize it, they go do it. Now, if you're in a country that's got a fear of failure, then those opportunities just pass you by. Now, the highest fear of failure is expressed by respondents in European economies, nearly 41%, which is not surprising if you look at the dreary state of the European economy. And that's followed by respondents in Asia and Oceania, which is also at about 40%. So in the EU, let's have a competition. Guess where the highest fear of failure rates were recorded? Bearing in mind this is fear of of failure means no entrepreneurs, no venture capital, no employment, it means your economy's in a mess. Guess which is the highest fear of failure rates in Europe? Greece. <laughs> the rest of the world's trying to bail them out. Is it any wonder? I wouldn't bail them out. I'd let them go to hell in a handbasket. Poland, another ratchet economy. Italy, 50%. All these countries have a huge fear of failure and all their economies suck. Even Australia, which is supposed to be a gung-ho country, has a fear factor of 40%. No wonder these bloody economies are screwed. In the US, the fear of failure is in the 20s. So compare 20% with 40%, with 50%, with 62%. Jeez. So these figures explain why the U.S. is the entrepreneurial capital of the world. It really does. Silicon Valley and Los Angeles being two of the three global hotbeds for startups and for investment. It also explains why there's 10 times more um, patents taken out in the United States than there is anywhere else in the world. Um, And it explains why all these people flood into America all the time to um, develop their dreams. So... There you go. And I thought this next piece of news was fabulous, but I must admit it did come as a surprise to me. In the US, black women-owned businesses skyrocketed by 322% in less than 20 years. This makes African-American women the fastest-growing group of entrepreneurs in America. That's 1.5 times the national average of business growth. Now that's sensational. And you know they don't they don't get that much help. I mean I think it's a remarkable number and it's a credit to black women in America. And the growth in the number of businesses specifically owned by black women is also outpacing that of all women-owned firms. Today black women own roughly 14% of all businesses in the country that are owned by women. That's about 1.3 million businesses run by African-American women. 
And statistics show that these 1.3 million companies employ 300,000 people and they generate $52.6 billion in revenue. And almost 50% of all black-owned businesses are owned by women. Now, amid a national neglect of black women from discussions around race and diversity and business, this news is fantastic. So, go girls, you're doing great. We here are really proud of you. Keep up the good work. Fantastic. Now, nearly everyone listening to this program aspires to be an entrepreneur. So what are the seven character traits that every entrepreneur should cultivate? You know, we all know that entrepreneurs are a tough breed who have very few safeguards and very few guideposts. Then say the traditional workers, entrepreneurs take big risks without any guarantee of reward and they, be- they learn to become experts. They learn on the fly and they at least become competent in virtually every aspect of business management. And entrepreneurs usually do it with a whole bunch of doubters and dream takers yelling in their ears. You know, there's always people who tell you you can't do it. I must admit, much less so here in the States than in most countries, but nevertheless, they're still here. So how do entrepreneurs find the courage to start a business and develop the abilities to keep it going? Well, you need the following traits. First of all, you need a ton of grit. Now, while you need some intelligence to start a new business, never underestimate the power of perseverance. Cultivating a passion for your business goals and your aspirations is scientifically linked to success. It also makes it easier to tolerate the self-doubt, which is an inevitable result of building a business from the ground up, being on your own, struggling against the odds. Hard work, resilience and determination will take you far. Block out all of those doubters that try to convince you that it's not going to work or whatever else they say. Secondly, you need to be always on. Yeah, you turn it off at the dinner table or at a funeral or while changing diapers, but one never knows when the chance encounter might need to a new business opportunity. So, given that most business stems from repeat customers, delivering an extraordinary response to clients, customers or potential business partners is absolutely critical to your bottom line. And I'm talking about good relations or good service. I'm talking about bloody awesome service. Now, entrepreneurs have also got to have a client-first focus. You must be customer-centric. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that your customers are your company's bread and butter. In fact, they're the only things that are important. The only person that can put you out of business tomorrow is not your bank manager or somebody suing you. It's your customer if they stop doing business with you. They stop doing business with you, you are out of business. Everything else you can get around, but that you can't. So take the time to learn what makes your customers tick and what their needs are 
and appeal to them in the most effective way. The fourth important trait of entrepreneurs is self-awareness. Now, nothing kills a website's conversation. <laughs> nothing kills a website's conversion potential faster than thinking that you're great at sales copy and great at laying up pages when you are not. Now, this ties in perfectly with um, our interview today. And uh, so listen to that. It's on in about five minutes, I suppose. So have a listen. Um, Don Keedy is one of the world's greats at capturing data when somebody goes onto your website. It's very interesting. So owning up to personal strengths and weaknesses isn't a sign of failure. It's an absolute requirement of leadership. Self-awareness leads to proper delegation, helps you stay motivated. Um, it boosts your discernment when you're doing considering business deals and it prevents you being sidetracked by all sorts of activities that are not in your best interests. When you are running a business and it seems like you are always pushing it uphill, then you need it, – it's so easy to get sidetracked. I mean easy. And a strong sense of self will also provide critical confidence in the entrepreneurial world where talented-driven people are a dime a dozen. I mean, there's millions of them. Now, to be an effective entrepreneur, you also need to have an abundance mindset. Put your hand up. You're going to look like a goose if you're sitting in your office. But put your hand up if any of the following thoughts have ever crossed your mind. There's only so much to go around. It's too risky. How can I get as much out of this deal as possible and give as little as possible? You know, I don't trust anybody. It'll never work out. How often have you thought those things? If your answer is even once, then go get a job in a factory because you are not equipped to be an entrepreneur. A person that's an entrepreneur believes that there is enough to go around. It's great business to share ideas and contacts with people. A supportive peer network is worth its weight in gold. Competition's healthy. It pays to over-deliver. It comes back to you in spades. Big, big risks, when approached judiciously, can have huge rewards. Pessimism and fearfulness breed more pessimism and more fear. Generosity, confidence and positive relationships pay off in spades. Also, to be a successful entrepreneur, you've got to have the ability to think both small and big. In the beginning, most of the stuff you do is all the little details, just to keep the doors open. And you, at the same time, you've got to have that big vision that you need for success. Now, if you have difficulty doing both, that's when you need to delegate. Get somebody to do all the little stuff. They're not going to be able to do the big stuff. They're not going to have the vision, but get in the little stuff. And finally, an entrepreneur needs to be adaptable and agile. 
You know, the business plan you start off with will be a thousand percent different than the business plan you have in six months. Changes in the market, customer preferences, your own thinking about your product and your capabilities will totally change that framework. So you've got to be able to respond to these shifts with flexibility, creative thinking and a solution-focused mindset. And this will distinguish successful entrepreneurs from flash in the pans. Now, if you don't have all the traits on this list, channel your energy into developing them. Entrepreneurship is a lifelong enterprise. You've been an entrepreneur for six months. You've still got 40 years to go. You've got plenty of time to learn. But in the words of Nike, start right now. So don't forget, if you're a company director, a manager, or executive, you should join the American Institute of Sales Marketing Management. It's got one common goal, to raise the standard and proficiency of both individuals and companies in the disciplines of sales, marketing, and management. So go to AISMM.US, that's AISMM.US, and go there now. Now, after the break, I have a chat with Don Keedy. He's in the UK. He's won almost every major sales award on the planet and has set sales records with some of the world's biggest companies. These days, Don is an expert at creating websites that are mega sticky. When Don creates a site, the visitor simply doesn't get away. But the best part about it is they feel great about it. I'm Bob Pritchard. This is Voice America Business Channel, and I'll be back with Don Keedy after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the straight-talking business radio show. Absolutely no bullshit. We give you an insight into what's happening in business today and into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people. We look at the services they provide, and we try to find out what makes them tick, because it's bloody hard to be successful in business today. And those people that have made it, they're something special, and they're doing something right. So we need to 
learn their techniques and learn the technology that they're using so that we can all be as good as they are. And that's why it's so important to continue to learn. And I think I've mentioned quite a few times over the last few weeks about um, the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which is a site you can go to, you can join, well, you should join, and you get access to all sorts of information, latest trends, what's happening, and you meet an incredible number of very successful people. So I urge you to do that. I also urge you to surround yourself with mentors and listen to interviews with successful business people and read their biographies. There's a lot to learn. And try and read biographies that are about people. I mean, I, I sat there and what read Jack Welsh's um, biography. Well, if you happen to be running a company with 100,000 employees and whatever, the information you get in that is probably very valuable. But for a guy running a small business, it's an absolute fucking waste of time, in my view. So choose your interviews carefully and what you read carefully and uh, take note. Today, I want to do something a little bit different. I have no idea how the hell this is going to work out, but we'll give it a shot. Don Keedy is an extremely successful global marketing consultant. He's worked all over the world. He has a phenomenal track record. And uh, I met him about 12 years ago, I suppose, when I joined the Australian Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management, despite living in America. Um, and uh, it's been phenomenal for me. Now, Don has won almost every major sales award on the planet. He set sales records with some of the world's biggest companies. He's, uh, in fact, was instrumental in my being recently appointed the honorary president of the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management. Don's an expert at creating websites that are super sticky. You know, he specializes in website data capture, databases, database marketing, autoresponders, all that stuff that you need to capture information and build great um, customer relationships. Now, if you're a business, you know, you know how hard it is to get people to come to your site. You know how much bloody money you've got to spend to get people to come to your site. So you don't want them to come to your site and leave without you having the absolute best shot at selling them something or at a very minimum capturing all their information. Now when Don creates a site, the visitor simply doesn't get away. And moreover, they feel great about it. You know, they went to the site, they got good information, they, they've given away all their information and the follow-up is so fantastic that they they love it so this is an incredible valuable skill because you don't want to spend money getting people to a site if you don't make any money so I thought Don would be a great guest interview so I um I called him and said mate would you like to be on the show and he said mm, I'll only be on the show if I can interview you so I don't have any idea how this is going to turn out, but here we go, ladies and gentlemen, the great Don Keedy. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am spectacular, as usual, as always. How are you? Jolly good. Jolly good. I'm outstandingly mediocre, thank you. You're your normal rumbunctious self. Correct. <laughs> 
How may I be of service to you and your listeners? Well, I thought you were going to interview me. I need to me. check on route. <laughs> I th so I thought you were going to interview me. So if you're going to interview me... I am. Go. Right. Okay, well, I listened to that very florid introduction that you gave me, which is, um, of all the introductions that I've had, that's probably the most recent. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Sure. As a marketer, I need you to just basically wear two heads here, two hats. Yep. What innovative attention getters have you seen recently? If we bear in mind that, you know, very, very simple principle of marketing is attention, interest, desire, action, aid. What have you seen recently that's really sort of stopped you in your tracks as a marketer that's impressed you? There's, I think, several things. You know, I come across some um, innovative things all the time because um, because of the radio show. People send me stuff, but um, I think the Tesco wall um, at the Seoul um, subway stations, metro stations, what they've got is a long wall, which is I don't know, probably six or seven billboards or maybe more and it is a photograph of the um, aisles at the Tesco stores the the regular Tesco supermarket so on your way home you walk past this wall and you simply swipe a card and then you tap all the items that you want as you walk past this wall so you can buy a thing of baked beans or a bottle of milk or um, half a pound of steak or whatever you want as you walk down the wall and when you get home those items are sitting on your doorstep waiting for you and I think that is just a phenomenal leap forward on how to buy product um, so it saves you it, it, I mean you can see the advantage of it it's it's enormous um, another one in Brazil um, where they set up a billboard again on railway stations um, and they as you approach the board what you see is a person it could be a guy or a girl depending on which station you're on and as soon as you approach them the motion sensor picks up you there and the billboard yawns now as you know it's an automatic reflex um, reflex when somebody yawns you yawn so the person yawns you yawn everybody around you yawns and then the people from cafe palais come out and give you a small cup of coffee and the person um, switches from yawning to if you're tired you need a cup of coffee cafe palais and the people come around and give you a cup of coffee I think that is just brilliant absolutely brilliant um kisaguru um is an online insurance company and uh, they use geofencing and location data that mm -hmm. they get from your smartphone and for example if i walk into um tiffany's probably a bad choice but if i walk into tiffany's and i buy a rolex watch Firstly, Kisaguru know who I am, they know where I am, they know I've just walked into Tiffany's because of their relationships through Apple Pay and those sorts of people, they know what I've bought, they know I just paid $9,742 for a Rolex watch and before I walk out the door of Tiffany's, they send you a thing saying, is that watch insured? Push this button now to get that watch insured. Now, I think they're three extra 
extremely innovative um, ways to reach people and I think it gives you an indication of just where um, marketing's going. The digital is just owning everything and geofencing is going to get more and more and more valuable um, in marketing. They're putting up um, beacons everywhere. Um, the beacons are going up in every store, every shopping centre, every everything and uh, it, it means you're totally owned. So, okay, excuse me a second. A bit of a cough here. I'm over in the UK, as you know. As you know. Uh, we have strange weather, not like you, yeah. <laughs> However, so let's assume that those two answers that you gave me there, if we blend those both as a market trend as a customer, and there's a common denominator that runs through the things that you've just told me there. Yep. And one of them is want, not need. Yep. So people purchase things based on want, not necessarily need. We don't need to be able to purchase things as we're walking down a subway station. Yep. And they're also based on convenience. Yes. So it's desire and convenience. And those are the triggers. And those triggers, which have been with us since Adam was a boy, um, and since we sort of dragged ourselves out of the primeval swamp, those triggers that still existed in the days when you and I did above and below the line marketing, and that's all there was. Yes. And now we get in, as you mentioned, into geofencing and so on. Still very, very simple. They're still very primeval. They're still all about what people want. And in most cases, people will spend money on things that they want rather than things that they should have. They'll spend it on holidays rather than actually probably insuring their house or insuring their income. Sure. I agree. So when we look at a particular consumer and a consumer uh, visiting a website or as a store, the reason, of course, and I hate to sound like I'm talking to, you know, one of the world's gurus here, um, the reason why shops have windows, of course, is to create one. It's there to create desire. That's why websites have photographs. That's why websites have pictures. And those pictures, of course, have got to be capable of creating desire. They've got to be capable of seduction. They've got to be capable of creating desire. Yep. I'm just repeating myself. Do, I, do, do, we, do, do we dock a dollar off the fees of that if I repeat that? <laughs> right. And now when somebody, those sort of emotive things, people purchase on emotion. I think you and I as, as marketers would be aware of this. And, and most people that are wandering around the face of the earth would probably echo those sentiments. Every, so it's emotional. In reality, it's been proven, um, universities world over have proven that every decision by every person on the planet is initiated yeah. emotionally. They are justified then pragmatically, but every decision by every person on this planet is emotional to commence with. If you don't get them emotional, so you've lost Myself them. as a consumer and you as a consumer, I agree entirely. I remember some time ago going and seeing a chap on stage talking about marketing. name was very similar to yours. And he was talking about hot word marketing. And he mentioned um, that a relatively good word that tends to get people quite moist and excited is the word free. Free words. That's an emotive word. It is. Free words. Free words. Well, there's a lot of words that work. But free tends to work. So as a marketer, do you think it's possible to be able to get data, to be able to capture data without giving something of real value in return? I think it is. I think it's difficult um, because, you know, I know from myself when, when I um, go on a, a website and I'm, they ask me for information, I sit there and I think, 
mm, the first thing goes through my head is, well, I hadn't thought about it before, but all of a sudden I think, they want all this information. Do I really need this thing? You know, what if I find it yeah. cheaper somewhere else? Why do I have to go through all this shit? The, to, common, to the common sense button kicks in. Yeah, and, you know, are they, am I going to get spam for the rest of my life with all this detail I've given them? Um, how do I get out of it? Once I've given them information, can I get out? And with some firms now, you can get, you know, you can delete your information, but most of them you can't. Um, and yeah. they ask me too many questions. I don't want to sit here for half... I, I want to buy a widget. I don't want to sit here for half an hour filling out a form. You know, most of that information has absolutely nothing to do with me getting a widget. I understand why they're doing Correct. it. I just don't want to happen to participate in it. The other thing that really pisses me off makes me furious is why the hell you have to give a credit card number when for something that's a free trial or whatever you know worry yeah. about my credit card number later now i understand why they're doing it and, and they should do it mm -hmm. but um they've got to find a better way to um to get that information and there are lots of ways and, and you know i think about um dove you know dove the um being you know being from the uk you don't probably don't use it but it's a a deodorant and some other stuff um it's a special sort of creamy soap i use it daily <laughs> it's useful well they, they and also ponds is another one that, that they've got great ways to capture information ponds have got a a skincare analyzer where they've got some sort of device and and it looks at the it looks at your skin and it looks at the composition of your face and it does all of that stuff and based on that data they recommend the best pons product for person's skin type but to get that analysis you have to give them a whole heap of information now people are happy to give them a whole heap of information because they feel that they're going to get this skin analyzer is going to give back something to them that helps them so they're quite happy to give out details um and and there's a a lot of those you know and i think that if you if you haven't got any um data gathering then you can't um create effective communication and you know that that's that's greatly inhibiting I think another one that does it well is the Wall Street Journal. You know, I um, I go to the Wall Street Journal every day. I look at Huffington Post and the Wall Street Journal every day. And the one thing that cheeses me off about the Wall Street Journal is you can read the beginning of every article. You know, you read the first mm -hmm. paragraph. But if you want to read any more, you'll have to sign up. And, you know, I'll, I'll get onto something and I'll say, World War Three started at 8 o'clock this morning and... In it, the United States has just launched an atomic bomb at Russia. Uh, to read any more, please subscribe and fill in all this information. So you tend to do it. I mean, I did it the first time it got me with something that I really wanted to know. I signed up and I gave them all the information. So I think if you give somebody something, um, then, and you're getting, you know, and both both parties are winning with that and but if you just go out and um the first page they hit is fill in all this stuff eh, eh, correct gonna so the exchange bob has to be of real value it has to be of a perceived value in my absolute, eyes absolute yes as a consumer yeah, absolutely it has to be something that i want 
It has to be something that I like. It has to be something that's convenient because the other thing that I value is A, my time to give you this information. Yep. So therefore, it should be short, sharp, and sweet. And yeah. B, this information is also of value because just like you, there's a trust based in any exchange. Yeah. And I think the other thing about giving value is, firstly, it can be like the uh, Pons example where it, it, it's not actually giving you something physically, but it, it's giving you something. Um, the It doesn't take much. I mean... A few years ago, I had a um, a project for a company um, that was a travel, a corporate travel company, and they were dying. I mean, they were losing money hand over fist, and uh, they tried, you know, to do all the usual things. They fired their PR company, they fired their advertising agency, they put more money into advertising, they did all those things, and um, to no avail, didn't work. But we um, we actually gave away for everybody who booked an international trip, we gave away a um, power adapter on the boat, and our cell was really simple. There's nothing more annoying than getting into your hotel room in Karachi, and your cell phone is flat, and you haven't got an adapter to use the power. Because most people, when they travel, don't think that the power plugs are going to be totally different. Um, you haven't got a plug. You go down to reception, they don't have a plug either. Or they have five, and it's a 500-room hotel, and everybody else has got them. So we just gave away a very simple power adapter, and sales went through the roof. The things were $2.27 or something when we got them in from China. So it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a lot. It just has to be something that's really practical, really pragmatic, and something that people can see the value in. Yeah, that they want and that is convenient. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, if we get back to data capture and we're talking about companies and people, yep. um, less so now, but many moons ago, I used to spend a lot of time with people who would contact me and I would ask them if they get their web stats. Right. I reckon that even now, probably 20 to 25% of businesses and certainly a greater percentage of small to medium sized businesses never even look at their web stats daily. It would not be if, it would well, not be twenty percent. In my on. experience it's a it's infinitesimal. Going back one step, just quickly, I think one of the problems is that when people create websites, they don't think about you know, they put together a website but they don't think about the um emotive things that will actually capture information or drive people they they, they go on to um, um, Google images and pick out images and whack them in because they, they look good or they're green and the theme of the um, um, website's green there's no thought that actually goes into producing um, a website that's actually going to work for you and produce results so that, that yeah, I think that's I agree. the first point web uh, yeah stats eh, eh, people don't look at them right well some figures were done recently by some people that I actually did some work with and for um, and that for every pe- every person that landed on this particular website obviously I can't reveal the names for every sure. thousand people that landed on the website the data was captured one in every ten thousand so for every ten thousand 
one piece of data was captured. If you imagine that was real estate, if you imagine that 10,000 people walked into your store, had a look round, and walked out, and only one of them actually went to the counter and said, or you only got a chance to say to them, how can I interest you in something? Well, if you, if, if you extend that, you think about a little corner store. A little corner store needs 500 customers a week to be very profitable. Now, mm-hmm. the first week they get one person in um, who's absolutely delighted and they capture their, their details, you know, when they're purchasing or whatever, and that person walks out. Now, that person, because they got great customer service and because the shopkeeper's in touch with them, will come back the following week and probably bring one person. So it's going to take only about, I can't remember, the I worked it out once, it takes about 26 weeks until you've got 500 customers coming in every week, you've got all their information, they love you to death, and your company's going to grow and grow and grow, and you're going to have a second store in six months or a year but I have people coming to me and I had a client just recently who's been in business for um, actually a huge um, Scandinavian ferry company been in business for like 50 years transporting a million people a month or something no database whatsoever of anybody who'd ever bought a ticket on their um, ferry line, despite the fact that you know thirty or forty million people had. So every yeah, time they go out marketing, every, day, every time they go out marketing, they're starting from scratch again. Just yeah, idiocy. Mm-hmm. I hear it and see it every day, Bob. Yeah, I believe it. Right, I've got one other little question for you now. As soon as this is me interviewing you, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> you go. Yeah, okay, you ready? The, yep. um, the, the youngers, the young guns, the people that are a little bit younger than us, that of course, that us old dogs are trying to teach the young, uh, the young dogs new tricks. I just read yesterday from um, somebody that's a pretty iconic marketer in social media that every other form of media will be dead in four years. I agree entirely. Only social media will work. I agree entirely. I, I I interviewed a guy on the show a couple of weeks ago who's one of the big gurus in social media in the world, and he said that um, Facebook is the best vehicle for any corporation selling anything, and he says that within four years, um, if you've got a really great Facebook set up, you do not need a website. So, yes, I believe that social media is the... well. Social media and digital media, taking into account, you know, um, geofencing and location and all of the rest of the things. But the digital form of, of um, um, marketing and, and selling through your um, phones, particularly, yeah, I think it's it's it. But the, every other every other, see, it's one of the few things that's actually dialogue. You know, there's nothing dialogue about radio or television or newspapers or billboards or they're getting better. You know, billboards, you drive down Sunset Boulevard and the billboard recognises who the hell you are and then puts out a message to exactly, you know, to you. I mean, that's all, you know, trick and cute um, and works, but it's very limited. I think that, yeah, social media is it and that doesn't mean 
that um, you've got to capture data, whether it's through social media or whether it's through a website. The key is to capture data and use every option to capture every opportunity to capture data. Yeah, I agree. I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this remarkable thought. For every 586,000 businesses that exist, only one of them has a social media platform. Yeah, but it takes a hell of a lot of mum and pop grocery stores to make one Facebook. Jeez, <laughs> you know the 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 size of these companies and their power over everything is is quite extraordinary, really. Um, you know, you look at you look at medicine, the company on the planet that is doing more medical research and more cutting edge edge medical research than anyone else is Google. It's not Johns Hopkins University or any of those. It's Google. They are doing extraordinary stuff. And, um, you know, they're doing it in conjunction with the universities. But the, these um, these platforms are just phenomenal. Okay, let me, let, let me just ask you a question. Um, uh-huh. ha- how do you go about, I mean, you're a a, a guru at capturing information on websites and you know auto trans uh, responders etc how do you go about um creating a website where you can capture every piece of information possible and have people going away and loving you for it it's the easiest job in the world you have to walk a mile in the customer's shoes you have to be the customer you might know somebody who's written a book called Think Like a Fish. Yes, I do. You want to be a great fisherman, you need to think like the fish. Yeah. Who would that be? <laughs> it's plain common sense. <laughs> yeah. It's no. plain common sense. So many people, they stare at their websites, they stare at their business, and they can't see things that are absolutely really as plain as a pike pass in front of the face. You have to go through your business as if you're a consumer. And it's very hard. It's, it's a lot easier, of course, if you're not associated with it and you don't look at it through rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. And occasionally, as you and I know, Bob, when we talk to clients or prospective clients, this often can be a little bit like telling people that their children are ugly. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. It is difficult. Particularly when they've just spent twenty five and $30,000 on a brand new website and find that they have either no hits and no conversions Hundreds of thousand hits and a few conversions. Yeah. Now, when somebody comes and they give their information, and you know, I guess there's a little bit of buyer's remorse when you give information, irrespective of if they do it nicely or not nicely. Because I don't love the Wall Street Journal for capturing all my information. (laughs) But um, so, how do you get them to love you after you've extracted their information? because they give you what you want and they give it to you on a regular basis. And after that decision has been done, all that it's still they're doing is validating your decision by delivering more trust and delivering more information and delivering precisely what you wanted at a value that you think is affordable. The one thing about the Wall Street Journal as well though is that they tell you you can cancel any time. Yes, that's true. Any time whatsoever. So if they do not continue to deliver on their promise, you will cancel. And my guess is you haven't cancelled yet. No, I haven't cancelled yet because new shit happens every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of minutes at the most left. And um, Don, 
went to Australia and uh, was the and may still be, even though he lives in England, the CEO of the Australian Institute for Sales Marketing Management. And uh, he's just been very instrumental in getting me appointed to the honorary president's position of the American Institute for Sales Marketing and Management. Why should people join AISMM.US? I'll, I'll flog the Australian one, uh, the American power. one for this one. Yep, sorry, go on. Knowledge is power, Bob. That's the, that's the cell. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, okay, so I I've just phoned you, Don. Um, I'm living in Los Angeles and I'm thinking about joining the American Institute for Sales Marketing and Management. Why should I join it? Well, if you give me your data, Bob, I'll send you a whole load of information for nothing and tell you precisely why you should. Okay. Um, in broad brushstrokes, what am I going to get? Bloody hell, how long have you got? Well, you'll get a membership card, you'll get a certificate which will impress the neighbours, and you can hang it in your study or hang it at wall. You'll actually get letters after your name. You'll get access to e-zines. You'll get access to forums. You'll get access to the job site if you need to change the job. You can get your CV completely redone. You'll get... It, is, it would take far too long. And I really don't want to be doing adverts. It sounds like an advert. <laughs> it is an advert because I'm I'm about to embark on a um, a big um, membership drive. So, so um, all right, <laughs> Don. Thanks very very much for speaking to me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I know it's um, your um, uh, cocktail hour over there, but um, if you it is like, indeed yes. If, <laughs> if you'd like to know more about Don, it's Don. Keedy.com, D-O-N-K-E-A-D-Y.com. And I will be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business right after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs, broadcasting from Los Angeles. One of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that with a a good idea, diligence and passion, absolutely anything is possible. Scott DeLong launched a website and made millions without hiring a single employee. And now he's sold Viral Nova to digital media company Zealot Networks for $100 million in cash and stock. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Viral Nova was a one-man startup run entirely by DeLong and two freelance writers. They grew their website to BuzzFeed size and scale, about 100 million monthly readers, without any full-time staff or raising any money 
from outside investors. Within eight months, Scott's Lean Shop was generating over $100,000 a month and millions of dollars annually. No staff. That's pretty cool. Vile Nova capitalised on social friendly stories with catchy headlines that would explode on Facebook. So did a large number of others. But in the past year, Facebook's cracked down on viral sites and changed its uh, newsfeed algorithm to show fewer of their stories. Uh, the changes killed off some of Viral Nova's competitors and it caused DeLong's business to suffer as well. At one stage, Scott seriously thought about throwing in the towel. So in the past, he's built websites and sold them but he'd never been a fully-fledged CEO, and with no staff, he probably still isn't, and now he never has to be. Um, His first successful online business was a website for Halo 2 enthusiasts. It it generated a massive $500 a month. He launched it in his early 20s, shortly after graduating from college. That opened Scott's eyes. Scott decided if he can make $500 a month, he can make $5,000 a month. And if he can make $5,000 a month, he can make $50,000 a month. The um, internet is huge, so there can't be any limit. So that was his epiphany. His next website was bigger and more successful. He launched Godvine a website with uplifting stories that resonated with Facebook's female-heavy audience. It became a top 1,500 website, and he sold Godvine for a life-changing sum to Salem. Now, here's the $100 million man. See, all you entrepreneurs out there, see how easy that is? (laughs) I don't know, but that boy must sure be smart. Um, if you're a startup, how many um, investors is too many? It's kind of a strange question because most startups struggle to get one or two investors. However, some entrepreneurs do much, much better. After presenting a startup optimize to potential investors at a conference, Nancy Hewer was bombarded by investors and a little more than 48 hours later, the Silicon Valley entrepreneur had amassed $2 million from 21 angel investors. So for, for entrepreneurs, numbering numerous investors has become kind of a trophy collecting uh, exercise, a chase that comes with some risk for the company. And... Um, Last year, over 2,960 angels participated in a financing round, more than triple the 822 that did so in 2010. But while entrepreneurs are taking advantage of what's probably one of the best times to be raising venture capital, there can be serious downsides. When many angels are involved, no one investor feels compelled to help the company if it runs into trouble. It's a lot harder to get another million dollars off 21 investors than it is to get it off one, two, or three. Having a dozen or more investors also means a dozen or more opinions on everything. So you spend your life 
either playing politics or listening to loads of opinions that probably mean very little. So the ballooning number of angels has been spurred by incredible wealth creation in Silicon Valley. And uh, tiny startups have got large ranks of angel investors, code fights, and uh, Amplitude secured about 30 angel investors each. Spring, 45 investors. Zen Payroll, 56 angels. Usually, five or ten. And uh, angels also heard a startup when there's too many because it's taken as an indication that the company's not strong enough to attract a lead investor. So entrepreneurs should be careful about taking on too much too fast. You should definitely prefer a small number of investors. Now, when I was younger, so much younger than today, and we wanted to get a date and most likely wanted to get lucky, we used to go to singles clubs and most married men that I knew all belonged to singles clubs. Your odds were so much better than if you went to a bar. Well, nothing's changed in this social media, media digital age. Tinder shot to fame as a dating app for tech-savvy single people, except, as it turns out, the latest survey of more than 47,000 internet users shows that 30% of Tinder users surveyed are married, while another 12% are in a relationship. In fact, only 54% classified themselves as single. So Tinder's just a digital stomping ground for married men. 62% of its users being male and 38% female. Now, they have 50 million active users. That means that 15 million men and 8 million women on the singles dating site Tinder are actually married. That's 23 married people on the single dating site. Now, Tinder recently launched a, a premium Tinder Plus option, enabling people to subscribe for extra features for $3.99 a month if they were younger than 28 and $14.99 a month if they were older. So I think um, that suggests that maybe they'll just tell you whether they're married or not for an extra 10 bucks. The company did stress that it had hundreds of success stories emailed to them about a new engagement or marriage, with tens of millions of users in all 196 countries, Tinder skites that has already made more than 6 billion matches globally. 6 billion matches and they get a few hundred success stories. See, I told you they were married. <laughs> You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Worldwide and Voice America Business. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a, any question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer you on air or we'll email you directly. Thank you for joining us for today's show and we look forward to you joining us again next week. In the meanwhile, remember that if you are not really pushing the envelope, if you're not standing right on the edge, then you are just taking up way too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard and I look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.